Welcome to the Chalkboard, my fellow football nerds, for episode number 118 of Chalk Talk. I'm your host, Shane Half, and you can follow me on Twitter, Threads, X, YouTube, whatever it is, at Shane Half NFL. I'm joined today by the best co-host in the game. You've heard him on the Tough Cover radio show. It is Mark Henry Jr. Give him a follow on Twitter at Mark Henry Jr. underscore. Mark, how are you doing tonight? Well, pretty crappy. Philly's lost and the whole fan base wants to burn the city to the ground. So I have to tell people like, hey, not a football season. There's actually 162 games <laughs> instead of 17. So maybe let's not freak out 162 times in a year. Like Shane, a little, a little fun math here for you. A really good team in baseball wins about, let's say you win 90 games as a really good team. That's a that's a really good team. And you make the playoffs win in 90 games. You know how many times you lose if you win 90 games in a baseball season? I'm going to go out on a limb and guess. Just have no idea. I don't watch baseball, but 72? 72 times. You know what you can't do? When the team you're rooting for is on pace to win 90 games, you can't burn the city to the ground 72 times. You can't go on Twitter and say how much you hate the team 72 times. Like, I I don't understand the way some of us follow sports. That's all. That's all I'll say. So I'm in a good mental space to to do this, to do the pod. Yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and say that you can only burn a city to the ground once if you do it right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. If you're burning a city to the ground 72 times, you need to investigate some different techniques. Yeah. I mean, it's just uh, unbelievable. I, I I am at my, at my wits end. I'm ready for football season to start. So um, some of the people who stop following the Phillies during football seasons can stop following the Phillies. I like, Good. let's get let's get us all i'm fine with overreaction when it comes to the eagles every game's important every every quarter's important like it's a 17 game season realistically when you just do the math one game in an eagle season is x amount of percent of the of the season i i it's bad math by me 100 by 100 divided by 17 i don't know what that breaks out to but and one game in a 162 game season is 0.6% 0.6% of the season. It's a little come, different. Come on, Mark. If one out of 162 is 0.6, then one out of 17 is roughly 6%. You just got to move the decimal, man. Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> it's not quite, but it's close enough. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm glad we could help you get, get that off your chest. This yeah, has I been group that. therapy uh, this week on Chalk Talk. Uh, so we are going to help you get ready for the NFL season. Last week, I previewed the AFC North and South. Today, we are previewing the AFC East and West. Just like last week, we're going to go down the teams in the order they finished in their division last year. So we're going to start off in the AFC East with the Buffalo Bills. Last season, the Bills went 13-3. and uh, before ultimately losing 27 to 10 in the divisional round to the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, when it comes to offseason losses, there's not a lot to speak of, although they did lose linebacker Tremaine Edmonds. That is kind of a notable loss. And then they signed uh, offensive guard Connor McGovern, who is a pretty good pass blocker. He's a poor run blocker. Uh, and then in the draft, they added Dalton Kincaid, the tight end, and Offensive guard Osiris Torrance, both of whom were top 30 players for me. So my big questions for this team, the first one, Mark, is can Dalton Kincaid immediately contribute? 
I mean, he had the back injury issues, the red flags. They already have Dawson Knox. And last season, the Bills used 12 personnel at the lowest rate in the NFL. They had the fourth highest EPA per play in 11 personnel. So the question is, how are they going to use Kincaid? Are they going to uh, try to just flex him out as a receiver? Uh, I'm not sure how that's going to work, but his contribution is going to be really big for this team. The other question I have is, can Josh Allen rein in his aggression? Eight of his last 14 games last season, he had an average depth of target over 10 yards. That only happened three times in the previous two seasons combined. And I think the elbow injury changed a lot for Josh Allen. Through week nine, Allen was second in EPA and first in success rate. But after his injury, his EPA per play dropped 31%. And I think people have this picture of the Bills being totally dysfunctional by the end of the year. But this was still a 13-3 and team. Josh Allen was still over 4,000 passing yards and 700 rushing yards last season. That's only happened two other times in NFL history. One of them was Josh Allen in 2021. And so I think this is a good team. But overall, uh, they've got a really tough schedule. They have the third most difficult schedule, or you could say the 29th easiest schedule this season. Uh, But when I ran through my simulations, I ended up with them at 14-3. and And I talked about last week that The teams you think are really good and really bad, they often get skewed in these because you're not like projecting upsets and those will happen over time. But I do think they finish first in the division and I would bet them over their 10 and a half win total. Uh, What is your thoughts on the Bills this season, Mark? How do you think their season is going to play out? Yeah, I mean, it's they're one of the teams that it feels like are less. uh there's not a lot of variance with the bills. I feel like they're going to win between 10 and 13 games. 11 and a half feels like the correct over under to me. It's 10 and a half. You said, mm-hmm. um, I'm pretty sure that the over on that is juiced up. So it's probably like minus minus one thirty, minus one forty to have to bet the over on 10 and a half. So the, I, I think they win 12 games. I ha- I have them at 12. It's not a win total. I'd rush to bet just because an Allen injury kind of sends it into whack and, uh, you know, I, I think that you're within that 10 to 13 win range. So uh, I have them winning the division, but it's a lot tougher than, than it's been over the last couple of years. So um, it'll be interesting to see if uh, I think, like you said, the X factor is finding a second weapon for, for the offense. I don't really care where it comes from. You have three nominees on where it can come from. It can come from Dalton Kincaid, who you just drafted, I think, ostensibly to be your number two pass catcher. If you don't think, if you think Gabe Davis is a bit more of a, of a, of a third guy, a banana, kind of a gadget guy, a big play guy, um, boomer bust kind of, I understand that. Or you could kind of do Gabe, Gabe Davis last year was everybody's fantasy football darling. Everybody thought he was going to break out into having 80 catches and a thousand plus yards and, he would improve on that touchdown total because obviously he had – how many did he have against uh, in the playoffs against the Chiefs? Was it four? Something yeah, like that. I think it was four. I think it was four touchdowns. So everyone everyone projected on that. Um, and he kind of did the same thing he did the year before. And I feel like everyone threw Gabe Davis in the trash. And they were like, oh, he didn't break out. So I, I kind of am not interested in him anymore. I still feel like he's a pretty dynamic guy. Um, and at least a good weapon for that. And then James Cook. There's been a lot of positive buzz 
out of uh, out of training camp that the reason they didn't go and look at Dalvin Cook was because they're that positive that James Cook will kind of be a bell cow for them. So if that's true, and if James Cook's a guy who they can use in the passing game as well as a legitimate running threat outside of Josh Allen, then maybe he's the weapon that they're looking for. But if I had to guess, I think it's probably a bit of all three. Like Cook is a bigger role than he had last year. Kincaid, maybe not the stud that they want him to be right away, but probably useful. And I think Gabe Davis probably incrementally improves a little bit and is a little bit less boomer bust. So um, I think the bills, it doesn't like they're going to win 12 games and everyone's going to kind of be in wait and see mood because the bills have transitioned out of the fun, plucky young team that we're all rooting for with the fan base that goes through tables that we all like. And they are now the team that you're Super Bowl or bust. Like, you have expectations, and if you don't meet those expectations, the season will be considered a failure, and your franchise quarterback, who you all love, will be the joke of Twitter for a couple days, like he was this year. Like, we talked about it on the show. I feel like it gets forgotten after a couple months, but after the Bengals beat the Bills and beat them up bad this playoffs, like, we talked – and neither of us, I think, are necessarily Josh Allen super fans or – Josh Allen defenders by any means, but we both came on and we were like, man, I mean, the negativity on Josh Allen, can we, can we take it easy? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, By the way, that Gabe Davis stat line was eight receptions for 201 yards (laughs) and four touchdowns in the playoffs that year. I'm pretty sure last year he had like 40 catches, but he had 40 something catches, but he had like 800 yards and like seven touchdowns. So yeah, he's just very, a very, very boomer bust player, and they did not seem to cover him whatsoever in that one game. So do you have the Bills winning the division? Yeah, I have them winning the division. I have them at 12-5. and five. Um, I have three of my division winners at 12-5, and five, so they, are, they will be somewhere in the 2-4 to four seed range. Okay, well, let's go on to the team that finished second last year in this division. It's the Miami Dolphins, who went 9-8, and eight. And then they lost 34 to 31 in the wild card round to the Bills with Skylar Thompson at quarterback. Uh, this offseason, they lost wide receiver Trent Sherfield and tight end Mike Gusecki. Uh, but they have a lot of offseason additions that are exciting. Jalen Ramsey, which obviously he's coming off the meniscus injury now. But since 2016, J- when he entered the league, Jalen Ramsey has the highest PFF grade the highest coverage grade and the highest run defense grade among all cornerbacks. He is still playing at an elite level. They added linebacker, David long, a guy that I love. They got Vic Fangio to be their defensive coordinator. And then in the draft, they got cam Smith and Devon a chain. So this team is speed, 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 speed. The big question here, and there's no way around it is will Tua stay healthy. The first 11 weeks of the season, Tua was first in EPA first in QBR, and second in completion percentage. After that, as the injuries started to mount, he dropped to 21st, 26th, and 31st, respectively. Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill combined for zero touchdowns without Tua on the field in 2022. So Tua has to stay healthy for this team to have a shot, and if he does, I could talk myself into this being a top-five offense in the league. Their schedule isn't easy. Nobody in this division is because the division's so brutal. It's the 30th easiest or the third hardest. Uh, when I went through my projections, I ended up with them as 11 and six, uh, which actually puts them third in the division. I think this division's loaded. 
but their over under win total is nine and a half. So uh, that would put me on the over. However, I I'm not interested in that because of the two question marks. Yeah, you'll be surprised here. The Dolphins are actually one of the teams I'm coming out lower on this year. Um, the Jalen Ramsey injury really hurts. Um, I think that that addition could have been huge for that defense. I think that defense has a lot of holes. It has a lot of reasons to kind of raise your eyebrows at it when you look at the, the depth chart now that Ramsey's gone. But with Ramsey there, you were able to talk yourself into the secondary being so elite that it could cover up a lot of the concerns. Um, but yeah, when it comes down to it, Tua's injury concerns are just too concerning for me to to pick the Dolphins in any realistic way. Um, so I, I have the Dolphins going eight and nine, uh, actually. So I hate to say it. I think Mike McDaniel's a great coach. Maybe they are better set up with a backup QB and Mike White. Um, but uh, I I'm really nervous about Tua's health, and it's hard to it's hard to just ignore that. Um, when I thought he should retire last year. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. That's the biggest question. And it's the question that transcends football is, is Tua going to be able to stay healthy? Did you see the picture of Tua at training camp where they said he was up to like 225 or something like that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the jujitsu. You, you buy jujitsu, you think that's going to that's gonna protect his brain? I don't know. I don't know. But he definitely looked big, at least in that picture, so. Okay, let's go to the team that finished third place in the division last year. It is the New England Patriots. Uh, they went eight and nine last season. Uh, really weren't much of a factor throughout the season. Uh, in the offseason, they lost wide receiver Jacoby Myers and tight end Jonu Smith, although that never mattered because after paying Jonu Smith a ton of money in free agency, they never used him at all. Uh, in free agency, they went out and added offensive tackle Riley Reef. Wide receiver Juju Smith-Schuster, tight end Mike Gusecki, which again, doesn't matter because we already saw this play, this song and dance before with Jonu Smith. Uh, they just got Ezekiel Elliott, and then in the draft, they added Christian Gonzalez and Keon White. So the biggest question for the Patriots is, can Bill O'Brien fix Mac Jones? Uh, playing quarterback last year with a failed defensive coordinator and a failed special teams coach calling your plays because your head coach has no interest in trying to hire competent people that he doesn't know that's a tough break man and so i feel for mac jones a little bit there uh, maybe bill o'brien can uh can get him back on track it will not be easy they play the hardest schedule in the nfl this year uh, as i went through my projections i, I think this defense is still going to be good i think the offense is not going to be great because i'm not the biggest mac jones guy and they don't have weapons to speak of so I ended up with them falling right where they did last year, eight and nine, uh, which put them in last place in the division for me. Their over-under is at seven and a half. Wouldn't touch it, but I technically have the over. Yeah, I have them at eight and nine as well. They went eight and nine last year. I think they're a better team than they were last year, and I think Bill O'Brien alone makes them better with the fact that they have an actual offensive coordinator instead of two failed head coaches. But – there's a problem, and the problem is there's three other teams in their division who think they should make the playoffs who are definitely all more talented than them. And there's also like 12 to 13 teams in the AFC that think they should be making the playoffs. Um, like you said, the schedule is just absolutely brutal. So I'm high on the Patriots. Like I think they're better than they were. I wouldn't be surprised if they just end up winning 10 games and making a run at the playoffs because it's Bill Belichick. I, 
I'll just say this. I, I'm so I'm picking them to go eight and nine. I'm I'm a slight over on the win total, but I wouldn't bet it. Um, the thing I'll say is that the whole narrative of like, oh well, Belichick has stunk after Brady, and Belichick's not a good coach anymore, and he's cooked. Like, that's that's not true. Like he won eleven games with a rookie Mac Jones and, and almost won that division over Buffalo, um, and, and went to the playoffs with a rookie Mac Jones. And yeah, last year was a catastrophe. I think GM bill has been terrible and whoever's making the decisions on hiring staff uh, has been even worse. Um, so that's, that's bill and that's on GM bill, but let's not get it twisted. These Patriots rosters have not been good. And he went 11 and six, two years ago and he went eight and nine last year. And really he went nine and eight and lost on the immaculate, the immaculate, uh, I don't even the lateral play that Jacoby Myers tried against the Raiders um, or else he would have won. He would have been nine and eight, but yeah, I mean, I, I just, I'm not here for the, the kind of revisionist history on what's been going on with the Patriots the last few years. Yeah. By the way, uh, should we go ahead and point out the conspiracy and Jacoby Myers tossing that ball to the Raiders? So they and could win. Fine. And then he goes and signs with the Raiders now. Something to Just think saying, about. The NFL needs to get on this. I, I've got a feeling. Has Jacoby Myers been betting football games? Because that, <laughs> I'm, I'm slandering a guy that just made a boneheaded play. But they got him back for the uh, for the tuck rule. The Raiders got him back. Okay, well that brings us to the team that finished in the last place in the division last year. It's the New York Jets, and they finished with a seven and ten record. Uh, we said they were a quarterback away, and they got their quarterback. Uh, they lost Sheldon Rankins and Nate Herbig, which the Nate Herbig thing might be bigger than we think. Uh, but they added safety Chuck Clark, wide receiver Alan Lazar. They just signed Dalvin Cook. Obviously, they got Aaron Rodgers. And in the draft, they got Will McDonald and Joe Tipman. Two questions for this team. The first one is, will Aaron Rodgers live up to the hype? He was the back-to-back -back MVP in 2020 and 2021 before he had the bad year in 2022. And yes, there were exceptional circumstances, but 39-year-old quarterbacks having bounce-back years is not exactly the most common thing. And then directly related to that is what's the offensive tackle situation? Because of trading from 13 to 15 in the Rodgers deal, they missed out on the offensive tackles in this draft. They have Dwayne Brown, but he's on the PUP list coming off an of offseason shoulder surgery. He's also 37. Makai Becton is still coming off a knee injury, and he's played one game in the last two seasons combined. Elijah Vera Tucker, they can move him to offensive tackle again, but they need him at guard, and he's also coming off an injury. And they lost Nate Herbig, who played offensive guard when Elijah Vera Tucker moved to offensive tackle last year. So, yeah, you got a 39-year-old quarterback. He's lost some of his mobility. You're trying to get him back on track, and you're doing it behind what's a shaky at best offensive line. So I think this team is really good. If this team, if they implode, it's because this offensive line can't keep Rodgers upright. Uh, they've got the 26th easiest strength of schedule. In my projections, I ended up with them at 12-5, and five, which was second place in the division. So that is the over on a nine and a half win total set by Vegas. What do you think uh, about the, about the Packers this season, Mark? The Jets, you, you got a Freudian flip oh there my goodness. the Packers. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I'm talking about Aaron Rodgers saying the Packers. There you go. But yeah, I, I have the Jets at 10 and seven. I have them sneaking in to the last wild card spot. 
um, in the AFC. I actually had them at nine and eight um, before the Jalen Ramsey thing, uh, which made me go into my my app that I use to predict all the games and uh, it keeps my standings. Um, and switched one of the Jets Dolphins games. Now the Jets are ten and seven. Dolphins are eight and nine. Um, but I, the Jets are yeah. The roster is just hard to ignore. Like I kind of the, the Jets and the Cowboys are are, are kind of hand in hand for me. Where it's two teams that I'm I I'm trying to think of an analogy. Like I, I guess I'm I'm on the front of the Titanic, right? I see the iceberg, like. It, it's it's right there. I see it. It's very clearly like we're probably going to hit the iceberg, right? But in my head, I'm like, yeah, but like Sauce Gardner is on this boat and, and Garrett Wilson and look at all these draft picks they've made the last couple of years that I do like. I think they fill roles. Like this team's too good to be taken down by the obvious iceberg that I seem coming so that's that's where I'm at. Like the Cowboys are kind of the same thing. The iceberg in the Cowboys um, sense, I would say, is Mike McCarthy is the uh-huh. iceberg. For the Jets, I would say like it's like the last fifty years of failure and like <laughs> knowing how this goes generally for the Jets and like also generally just for the team that all the hype is around, like all of the Aaron Rodgers hype, all the hype in general of the offseason. The dream team hype, like the team that won the all season was the Jets. So their iceberg is expectations being kind of robbing them of what they should do this season. And the Cowboys are kind of the same thing with McCarthy. Like there's such obvious ways to point out like how things could go bad for the Jets and the Cowboys. But I'm choosing because the rosters are good enough outside of the concern points. I'm choosing to ignore those things. Um, yeah, that's, that's, I don't know if that analogy landed at all. Um, but the Jets, I, I do think that the Jets defense is so loaded. And Robert Sala is clearly a really good defensive coach. It comes down to Rodgers. Um, is Rodgers what we saw last year? If that's the case, I think the Jets will struggle to win nine or ten games. Is Rodgers what we saw two slash three years ago when he won the MVP? If so... I think they probably win 12 or 13 games and they're a legitimate Super Bowl contender. I don't think we're getting MVP Rodgers. That's where I'm at. I think we're probably, maybe we'll, maybe he'll be a little bit better than he was last year with slightly better weapons, but he will have a worse offensive line. So that's a concern for sure. I think you're probably getting like something closer to last year than MVP Rodgers, but a little bit better, like probably like the 10th or 11th or 12th best quarterback in football this year. So I think that should be enough for the Jets to get a wild card with everything that you have um, in terms of, uh, you know, the weapons that they have. Obviously, Brees Hall and Dalvin Cook in the backfield. The Nathaniel Hackett coming in and reuniting with Rodgers. Um, And then, obviously, I mean, Sauce Gardner, how many non-quarterbacks are more valuable than Sauce Gardner? Yeah. Non-quarterback, non-edge rushers. I don't know that there are are any. How many edge rushers are you taking to start your team over Sauce? It's only like uh, a few. It's like Bosa. Yeah. Parsons. Parsons. Watt. Uh, how yeah, Watt. Yeah, for now, Watt. For Watt, now. Garrett, age-dependent. but Yeah, I would take Garrett, too, for now. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, it's, it's those few. I mean, it's those guys, maybe like Tyreek Hill. 
Justin Jefferson, and then I'd say it's it's him. I, I think Sauce Gardner is that good, that valuable. Um, he's locking up an entire side of the field, and we kind of know that going into the season. So it lessens the job that the Jets have to do outside of that. By the way, I tweeted my top 10 edge rushers today. I've been doing my top 10 at each position group. I've seen it, yeah. You wouldn't believe the responses. And people haven't responded to many of them, but the edge rusher one, I apparently people are ready to go to bat for their edge rushers. What, what's the list? We have time. What's the list? Uh, so I went Garrett one, Watt two, Parsons three. Watt should be one. And that's. I think you could put those three in any order, and I wouldn't argue with it too much. Mm-hmm. And then I went uh, Reddick four, Nick Bosa five, mm-hmm. Max Crosby six. Yeah, that's fair. Joey Bosa seven, mm-hmm. Josh Sweat eight, Matt Judon nine, Brian Burns mm-hmm. ten. I probably put Sweat and Judon, or I probably put Burns and Judon over Sweat. I probably put Watt one. I think the rest sounds fine. Yeah, I yeah. honestly, I feel like I well, I get the posts confused. Which one's Chargers? Is that Joey? Joey is Chargers. Injured most really? of last year. Nick is 49ers, Was defensive player of the year. I have a little bit of a take that I'm going to debut this year. Is Joey Bosa overrated? Like, I kind of feel like he might be overrated. Like, I feel like I've given him that respect of being that good. I was doing a deep dive into some of his PFF grades and some of his stats over the last couple of years. And I was like, wow. Like, I was I was expecting to be more impressed by, by the numbers. And I, I was I was pretty unimpressed. So, um, I just something I'm, I'm raising. Maybe, maybe he should be lower. But a week ago or two weeks ago before I would have I, – before I randomly happened to look at that, um, I would have told you like, oh yeah, he's top five, top seven. But now that I looked at it, I'm like, oh, maybe yeah. I like. I think I think I like Judon more than more than Joey Bosa. Yeah. I'm really high on Judon. I got so the main the main pushback I got was Bosa being fi- Nick Bosa being five when he was defensive player of the year, and I was like, well, first of all, I don't think he should have been defensive player of the year. But uh, so I got pushback there. I got pushed back on Max Crosby because he only had 12 sacks. And I was like, yeah, but he's also the number two in run stop win rate. Like he's an elite run defender. One he's of the really best good. run defending edges in the league who can also get you double digit sacks. I think that's really valuable. And then I got pushed back on sweat being in the top 10. Who was anyone like, who were people mad that you left off anyone? Um, Let's see. Cause I, I, and there's not one coming to my brain. Like the ones that are coming to my head are kind of speculative at this yeah, point. Yeah, like people that were people that said Sweat shouldn't be there didn't really give me a, somebody else that should be there in their place. Just said that he was too high, should be like in the tw- like teens, twenty, something like that. Uh, there's part of me that wants to make a Josh Allen Jacksonville argument, but I don't think that there's really one there. Yeah, there's a. Uh, let me see. I think I. Unfortunately, I think I I think I deleted my list after I narrowed it to ten. I'll check real quick, but I, I pulled think... up I, I pulled up PFS. Yeah, I mean, there's you had the same top eight or like not not the same order, but your eight were in there. Rashawn Gary, but he's not like he doesn't blow you away. He's kind of just jack of all trades, good at everything. Trey Hendrickson, Von Miller, who's getting kind of old, didn't play most of last year. Daniel Hunter, then Josh Allen, yeah. I actually do. Th- I, so if I had to make an argument for the two best players you left off, I don't know if I would have put them on. Honestly, I don't think I would have. But I do think that, yeah, Josh Allen's 13, Jalen Phillips 14. So 
Uh, Jalen Phillips was one of them. Josh Josh Uche. Yeah, I I don't think Uche's on that level. I'm not that big on Uche. Okay. I think I drafted him in one of our things, though. I, I he's good. He's definitely good. But in terms of in this conversation, um, Jalen Phillips might. I feel like Jalen Phillips is the guy who could end up being like next year when we're talking about this. We're like, how was he not top five? Like he could have a huge year. Yeah, that's that's what I'm wanting to do. I, like we've done QB rankings, but I wanted to start doing this each year so I can kind of track like movement. Like, oh, this guy was number. He wasn't ranked last year, and now he's yeah fourth or something like that. So yeah. Anyways, awesome. little detour there as, as per usual <laughs> in this podcast. So uh, let's roll on to the AFC West now where we'll start off with the division winner and Super Bowl champion, Kansas city chiefs went 14 and three in the regular season, won the Super Bowl. Uh, notable losses this off season. They lost offensive tackle Orlando Brown wide receiver, Juju Smith Schuster safety, Juan Thornhill, Wide receiver Nicole Hardman and defensive lineman Frank Clark. They added Jawan Taylor, offensive tackle. They added uh, defensive lineman Charles Aminahu, uh, linebacker Drew Tranquil, and then a draft edge rusher Felix Anyuduke Uzoma and wide receiver Rasheed Rice. Uh, big questions for the Chiefs. I have two, Mark. The first one is how will this wide receiver room look? Is Kadarius Tony going to step up and stay healthy? Will Sky Moore take a leap? Does Rasheed Rice make an impact as a rookie? So that's my first question. How is this wide receiver room going to play out? The second question is, when Patrick Mahomes is your quarterback, does it even matter? <laughs> no. And I think the answer is no. Uh, so their strength of schedule, they have the 28 easiest schedule, so it's a hard schedule. Uh, as I went through predicting games, I got them at 12-5. and five. Uh, which is first in the division and slightly over that 11 and a half win total. Not something I would bet, uh, but I think they're a sure bet to win their division again. How do you feel about the Chiefs this year? Yeah, I have them at 14 and three. Um, it, it's just, I, I feel like I'm able to project them that high because I know they're going to win 12. Like, I actually do like over 11 and a half there just because. I think with Mahomes, you have such a high floor. Like your floor probably is 11 and six. I'd have to look back at their win totals. He's probably won 12 games every year that he's been in, in the NFL. Maybe the one year he got hurt, they didn't, but I think they probably went 13 and three that year. So yeah, I, I don't know, but I, I think that they'll probably be the one seed. I think they'll, they should probably be the Super Bowl favorites. And I think that that's kind of what you can say every year. Patrick Mahomes has pretty much at this point, a 60% chance at winning the MVP in years that he's played and that he's played football. He's got a 60% chance of going to the Super Bowl, a 40% chance of winning the Super Bowl, and a 100% chance of getting to the conference championship, if you judge based on his career so far, so of his five seasons. I mean, all the guy does is play football into January and February. So um, I, I have no doubts that this team will be right back there. I'm not worried about the receivers at all. Uh, I think they're the same crew as they were last year. Um, Justin Ross did get carted off today. There was excitement about him. Um, I know that there's some excitement about Rasheed Rice. Uh, Kadarius Tony's had some injuries, so he hasn't been able to get in the mix. But they still got Travis Kelsey, and that seems to be all that matters. And it's why I've been beating the drum from a fantasy perspective. If you don't get the first pick, if you have any other pick other than the first pick and Justin Jefferson's off the board, Draft Travis Kelsey if he's available. Travis Kelsey should be the number two pick 
in fantasy drafts this year. He gives you that much of an advantage at the tight end position. And he is so, he has more of a stranglehold on being the number one pass catcher in his offense than I think any other player in the sport does. Even Justin Jefferson. Like, I, if you were just saying, is it more likely that a Chiefs receiver out targets Justin or out targets Travis Kelsey or that like Jordan Addison out targets Justin Jefferson? What would be more likely, Shane? Yeah, I mean, you're right. Kelsey, they're, Jefferson's so good, but there's yeah. so many good receivers and there's not that. It's not that there's not that many good tight ends, but you look at the other good tight ends, George Kittle surrounded by weapons, right? Dallas Goddard surrounded by weapons. Like the only tight end that is elite that has no other weapons around him is Travis Kelsey. Like he's going to get force fed the ball. And that connection he has with Mahomes is so good. And, oh, and he's been remarkably durable. Like the last, the last season that he didn't appear in 15 or more games was his rookie season. And he just didn't even play his rookie season. So like he's literally never misses games. He's, consistently churns out a thousand yards and double digit touchdowns uh he's just a total stud and by yeah. the way to your question about Mahomes and the the last time the Chiefs did not win 12 or more games was 2017 and yeah. they won 10 games yeah that's before Mahomes was even backing up Alex Smith I'm pretty sure I know I think that was the last year of Alex year. Smith yeah. yeah yeah the last year of Smith that makes sense all right, let's roll on to the next team, the team that finished in second place in the division last year. That is the Los Angeles Chargers, who went 10-7 and a year ago. Uh, they made the playoffs and lost 31-30 to in the wild card round to the Jaguars after jumping out to a 27-0 lead, one of the worst playoff collapses of all time. This offseason, they lost Drew Tranquil, linebacker. Uh, they lost safety Nasir Adderley. Uh, they didn't really make much in, of an impact in free agency. They got Eric Kendricks, a linebacker, but then in the draft, they drafted Quentin Johnston, uh, Tuli Tui Pelotu, and Dayon Henley. For me, the big question here is, can Kellen Moore elevate this offense? He certainly can't make it worse than Joe Lombardi did. And, and is Quentin Johnson going, Johnston going to be a steadying force in that wide receiver room and add in reliability? Like, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, there's been a lot of injuries. Justin Jefferson, or not Justin Jefferson, Justin Herbert's been left up a creek without a paddle from his offensive coordinator, from receiver injuries. So they address the offensive coordinator. They address the receiver. It's time, It's go time for Justin Herbert and this Chargers offense, or Brandon Staley is going to be headed out the door because they just paid Justin Herbert, made him the highest paid quarterback in the league. It's win or go home for Brandon Staley this season. I can't I can't believe he didn't go home after the playoff game. He should have. He should have gone home. I I've been I've been calling for Brandon Staley to be fired for a year and a half, but uh this is the season. It's make or break and they don't have an easy schedule. 27th easiest schedule. Uh, when I went and projected them out, I had them ending 11 and 6, which ended up third in this division for me. No, that ended up second in this division. That's a typo. Uh and I have them over nine and a half wins. I have them coming in at nine and eight and just missing the playoffs. And honestly, it just comes down to, I think the division winners will be the same as last year. And then there are approximately 
really, if we want to narrow it down, really six teams that really feel like playoff teams to me. I think the the Steelers, I won't get too far into. Everyone knows I've talked about it on this pod. I'm a lot higher on the Steelers this year than consensus. I think people just forget that they won nine games last year in a year that their best player missed seven games and their backup quarterback uh, played seven. Baltimore, who they have Lamar Jackson, who if he's healthy, all he does is win football games. The New York Jets, who we just went through, have a very elite roster and seem to be just a quarterback away. The LA Chargers, who without Joe Lombardi, they added Kellen Moore, and it seems like they're ready to take off as an offense, and everyone's ready to uh, crown Justin Herbert before he's you know accomplished anything. And then you have the Miami Dolphins, who when two is healthy, they are an elite offense. And Mike McDaniel, are maybe the, this podcast's favorite coach, like there's a lot of reasons to love the Dolphins. The Denver Broncos, who we're going to get into. Another team who there's a lot of reasons to buy into the upside. All six of those teams feel like playoff teams to me. Only three of them can be if the division winners stay the same as they were last year, which I think they will. So it just came down to the Chargers were my fourth favorite out of that six. They were the team that went 9-8. and eight. They had a little bit harder of a schedule than the other teams that were fighting around this area did. So they lost out. I had them at nine and eight under nine and a half, where if you had to ask me to explain, Hey, why are the chargers going to be worse than they were last year? I don't really have a good answer for you other than to tell you that I think the teams around them got a lot better. Yeah, that's fair. And so we'll see how that plays out for the chargers. Uh, Let's talk about a team that definitely needs to get a lot better this year. Uh, that is the Las Vegas Raiders, who last season went 6-11. and 11. Uh, They lost Rockison and Foster Moreau in free agency. Uh, they went out and got the aforementioned Jacoby Myers, who won a game for them last year in New England. Hopefully he can win some games for them this year. Uh, they got Jimmy Garoppolo, Austin Hooper, Marcus Epps in the draft. They got Tyree Wilson, Michael Mayer, and Brian y- Byron Young. I still get the Byron Youngs mixed up, by the way. But <laughs> on the dra- on our draft show, there's two Byron Youngs, and on the draft show, I started talking about the wrong one after the Raiders picked him. But anyways, uh, big question for this year is there's two of them. Uh, the first one is, is Jimmy G healthy? You know, they had the waiver that they added into his contract that could have voided his deal before it even started. But the bigger question is how long can he stay healthy? Because Jimmy G is made of paper mache and he rarely lasts a season. The other question is, will Josh Jacobs play? He's holding out of camp and refusing to sign the franchise tag right now. And former Raiders legend, Marcus Allen called out the situation. I think it was yesterday. I don't know if you saw this saying that he's like, he said, I'm just going to say it like it is. This is almost like collusion to keep running backs from getting paid. And so you've got a former Raiders legend supporting, uh, Josh Jacobs here. I don't know what's going to happen there, but what I do know is that Josh McDaniels is a joke. Since starting 6 and 0 in Denver in 2009, he has gone 11 and 28 as a head coach and he has scapegoated two separate quarterbacks. In Denver, he scapegoated Jay Cutler to buy another year before ultimately collapsing and getting fired. In Las Vegas, he scapegoated Derek Carr, and I think this year they're going to collapse and he's going to get fired again. They've got the second hardest schedule in the NFL. Uh, 
when I did my record predictions, I had the Raiders ending two and 15 last place in the division. That's and again, crazy. and again, uh, this is one of those things where a team you're low on, you end up having them low. They're going to win more than two games. And I acknowledge that because everything has to kind of regress to the middle a little bit. There's going to be some upsets and things, but I definitely like the under seven and a half wins for the Raiders this year. So it's funny. I have the Raiders as the worst team in the AFC and I have them at four and 13, but I've been beating myself up about it. Cause I don't think they're that bad. Like I, I, I really don't like, I don't think any team in the AFC is that bad. That's where I'm at. Like, well, and you look at all the second half leads they blew last year. Like they yeah. could have been pushing for a playoff spot if they weren't blowing leads. So it feels a little crazy that that's where I came in on them. But I do really like under seven and a half. And the other thing about it is like, I feel like if you read, I'm going to be typing these up and posting them as an over under thing eventually. And I've already started to work on the column. And if you read it, you're going to be like, oh, Mark must think that there's a big drop-off from Derek Carr to Jimmy G. I think they might have improved at QB. Like, Derek For Carr eight was... games. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's fair. When Jimmy G plays, he's at least as good as Derek Carr. I do honestly, truly believe that. When Jimmy G plays for Kyle Shanahan. That's fair. That's fair. That's we'll see. Fair. Yeah. But no, I, I, I understand that. I do think it was a long time ago. He was good for this, like three or four games in New England a, a decade ago. Um, but I I believe in Jimmy G, and, and I feel like I saw it through enough eras of the Niners where I, I'm able to say, like, I think he can play with different groups of people. Um, yeah, it, it's just an issue of the teams around them. Like, I, I think that the teams that I had this low, like I'm really low on Cleveland. I'm really low on Vegas. I have Cleveland at five wins. I have Vegas at four wins. If you put those teams in the NFC South, I think Vegas wins like seven games, but because they're in the AFC West, it, it's a struggle. Um, I, I think Jimmy G will not stay healthy. That's my, my official prediction is it feels like he's getting hurt in week two or week yeah. three, all this stuff, like the, the thing they put in the contract. It seems like he's already coming in. Maybe not, 100% healthy. So my stance on it is that I think they're, especially behind this O-line that is very patchwork. I, I just don't see Jimmy staying healthy. All right. Let's go on to the team that finished in last place last year in the division. It is the Denver Broncos. They went five and 12 in the off season. They lost Dalton Reisner. Uh, they signed Mike McGlinchey, uh, defensive lineman, Zach Allen, running back Samaj P. Ryan. Obviously, they made the trade for Sean Payton. And then with their limited draft capital, I really like their picks. They got wide receiver Marvin Mims and linebacker Drew Sanders. And I thought that was pretty good value considering they didn't have a, a first-round pick. Now, the Broncos were a dumpster fire last year. Nathaniel Hackett, obviously, he couldn't hack it. I'm sorry. I, that oh, just gosh. happened. That wasn't even on purpose. Um, <laughs> and then... Russell Wilson implodes the whole thing uh, this year. They have the 23rd easiest schedule. Um, their over under is set at eight and a half. When I did my projections and I had to, you know, I had, I went through and picked every game like a week and a half ago. I ended up with them five and 12 third in the division. I've since started to talk myself into the Broncos. I, I'm not going to take the over eight and a half, but I'm tempted 
And let me tell you why. Let me try to sell you on Broncos fans. If you're listening, this is why you should be excited. They're going to be more healthy. They ranked dead last in adjusted games loss last season. And so Javante Williams comes off the ACL injury. They got Samaj P. Ryan. You're going to be healthier this year than you were last year. That's a fact. Then it's the Russell Wilson question. Russell Wilson was top, led a top 10 DVOA offense in nine of the last 10 seasons. And the one season that he didn't was his first season with a new team, learning a new system with a coach that if Urban Meyer didn't exist, we would call the worst coach in recent NFL history. He had a train wreck of a coach. Look at what Urban Meyer did to Trevor Lawrence and what people thought about Trevor Lawrence after that year. Look at the leap the Jags took with a competent coach this year. Look at the leap the Giants took last year, moving from Joe Judge to Brian Dable. Then you go to Sean Payton who, Mark, you have called the best head coach, well, the second best head coach, I think, behind Bill Belichick that you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Sean Payton coached for 15 years with the Saints. You know how many of those 15 years he had a top 11 DVOA offense? 15? 14. 14, 14 out of 15 years. They're going to be better. There's a good ch- Now, are you getting back Russell Wilson of five years ago? Probably not. Mm-hmm. I think there's a better than average chance that this is going to work out. And it's a pretty talented roster if the Russell Wilson question gets answered. So I'm not willing to push my chips in and bet over eight and a half. I don't think that Broncos are going to be a dumpster fire this year, though. Yeah, I have them at nine and eight. Um, and they're kind of land in the same range of the, as the Chargers do, where I really I think they're a playoff team. Um, I think they're right there, but it just so happens I like the Steelers, Ravens, and Jets just a smidge more than them. So I had them at 9 and 8, and I'm buying all the way in. Uh, My ride-or-die guy this year for fantasy is Jerry Judy. I don't think people realize how good Jerry Judy was, especially the last five weeks of last year at the end of Hackett and then after Hackett was fired. He went from averaging 11 fantasy points per game to 21 fantasy points per game um, to to round out that season. He was actually the number 22 receiver in fantasy last year while missing two games. So Jerry Judy in a dumpster fire of an offense. What can't be described, like it was an unwatchable offense last year. And on a points per game basis, Jerry Judy was like a top 15 fringe receiver. I think there's a chance that we see Jerry Judy have like an 80 catch, 1500 yard, eight plus touchdown season and cement himself in the conversation that the other guys in his draft class and the other guys, I guess more so in the draft classes since he's went, have put themselves in. Like we were talking about Judy as an elite, elite prospect when he was a draft prospect. I still feel that way. And you look at the underlying numbers, his separations off the charts. So I think Judy is going to do wonders for this offense. Samaje P. Ryan, if you look at his some of his numbers, the three games that he filled in for Joe Mixon last year were actually a better three-game stretch than Joe Mixon had throughout the entire season as the lead back for the Bengals. That's how good P. Ryan was when Mixon missed time. So, And apparently Sean Payton loves P. Ryan. He's talking him up all offseason. So I actually am buying in 100% on the Broncos offense because of my belief in Sean Payton and because I do think it's more talented than we saw last year. My concern is a surprising concern. 
and we've talked about this before. Their defense was elite last year, top five in almost all metrics. You go and look at the depth chart on defense. I don't think you're looking at a depth chart that looks like a top five defense to me. It feels like there's holes in there. There's obviously strengths with Sertain, with Justin Simmons. There are things to be excited about. But there are clear and obvious holes in the front seven primarily of that defense. But you look at what they did last year and they were elite. How much of that was the talent that they have and how much of it was departing defensive coordinator Ajiro Evero, who is in Carolina now. They replaced him with this is by this is bizarre, by the way. They replaced him with Vance Joseph, former Broncos head coach, who is now going to be the defensive coordinator. That has to be bizarre. That is just just from an interpersonal standpoint for Vance Joseph. That has to be really weird to go back in that building. But anyway, putting that aside, how how big of a drop-off is the defensive production from last year to this year going to be? I have a bad feeling that it's they're going to drop off from being an elite defense to being average, if not maybe slightly above average. And if that's the case, it makes it hard to compete in such a loaded AFC. But I do think they win nine nine games. I have them slightly, slightly over that win total. All right, so Mark is there. Uh, Mark is there with the Broncos. I'm starting to believe. I wouldn't bet them yet, but uh, I, I do kind of like them. Uh, I, I think they're going to be a better team this year than than I initially thought when I did my projections. So, all right, well, that is going to about wrap it up for our AFC East and West preview. Uh, Mark, before we get out of here, do you have any final thoughts? Uh, any takes you need to fire off? The floor is yours. Yeah, we. I feel like a lot of those we said like, oh, I like the over, I like the under, like, oh, but I wouldn't bet it. And I feel that way about a lot of them, a lot of the overs and unders this year. I just want to say, because I've been talking about this team to, to a couple people lately in the betting industry, and there seems to be an optimism for them. I, I'm, I'm switching over to the NFC, but I wanted to talk about this because I'll probably forget to talk about it by the time we, we uh, preview the NFC West. But the LA Rams have people believing that, oh yeah, last year was just a blip and they'll be fine. Look at the roster, folks. Look <laughs> at the Rams' depth chart and tell me why they're going to be good. Tell me why last year was a blip. Tell me why they're going to be fine because I don't see it. I think we as a podcast need to unite and tell people, don't fall for this. Like, Don't fall for this Rams offseason nonsense bet the under six and a half go out and hammer it i think that should be the chalk talk bet of the year the chalk talk future of the year because i know you're just as low on the rams as i am and just as like i just think there's no chance this rams team goes seven and ten i look at that roster i have no idea how that team wins seven games i mean they had no cap space so they signed nobody they didn't pick in the first round. How, how, how are they supposed to be better? They didn't do anything to get better. They traded Jalen Ramsey. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't get, I don't, I didn't know there, I didn't realize there was optimism around the Rams. Yeah. There's like a, Oh, they're, they're a little bit of a dark horse to go back to the playoffs. So like, Oh, they obviously won't be as bad this year. Or when people are talking about the number one pick conversation, they never get brought up. They are 
chiefly in that conversation. Like, I think they're second in the conversation, right behind Arizona. I'd have to look at some of the other really bad teams. I don't know if I would say that they're hugely in that conversation because I, I feel like, I feel like with McVay and as long as you've got Aaron Donald and Matthew Stafford, and I mean, maybe he gets hurt again, but I don't feel like you're going to be like a one or two win team, but I, I think, I don't think you're going to be a six win team either. Yeah. I think they are a three or four win team. And I yeah. think that could compete for, I mean, I think Arizona will win like one game, maybe zero. So that that could be an easy number one pick this year. But outside of Arizona, I think they're the worst team in football. I, I really do think that. Like maybe you have a lower floor with Vegas because you have McDaniels instead of McVay. Maybe you have a lower floor. I don't know. Like I was gonna say with the commanders. The commanders have such a better roster than the Rams. Like, I don't think the Commanders are good. I have them winning four games this year. I have them as the third worst team in football. But I think the Commanders are so much better than the Rams as a roster. I, I, tell me if I'm crazy. No, no, no. The Commanders are way better as a roster. The Buccaneers, maybe you could get the Buccaneers in conversation for worst team. Uh, I mean, they've got Buccaneers talent. Have, guess, but... Buccaneers have the best quarterback from last year's Rams roster. That's That is true. <laughs> that's true all right well we just spoiled half our nfc previews know, for next week so uh we're gonna wrap it up and get out of here we will be back next week to preview two nfc divisions we'll follow it up the next week to wrap it up and then we will do our rookie of the year super bowl winner coach of the year first coach fired all that stuff drafts uh, and then we will be into the regular season so uh, thank you guys for hanging with us through a long off season Thank you for joining us for episode number 118 of Chalk Talk. Uh, we're looking forward to getting back into the regular season groove. We will be going live every Tuesday night around 1030 uh, to break down each week's action. Uh, so make sure you smash that subscribe button. Turn on notifications so you don't miss our next episode. Drop us a five-star rating and review wherever you stream your podcasts. That really helps us get it out there to more people. You can follow me on social media and YouTube at Shane Half NFL. Mark is on Twitter at Mark Henry Jr. We will catch you guys next time.